Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kate Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle Majuk, researcher for the NFL Network, and I'm joined by Kate Majuk, senior content creator at the Gaming Society, and Jake Trowbridge, contributor with Matthew Ferry's Fantasy Life. We're headed into week two, guys. We have a full week of football. Like, we have actual stats. We know how players actually performed. How exciting was week one for everybody? Uh, it was delightful. We had action. We have context now. Uh, full disclosure, I only watched two games this weekend because I was on vacation with the misses. But those two games that I got to watch, uh, it, it satiated me. So it felt good. Well, Kate and I got to watch, you know, a lot of games. We had a lot of screens. We up. had too many screens up. Uh, too much attention to everything, and the red zone up. Obviously, it felt so overwhelming. I forgot the feeling of week one, and just so many things happening at once, and trying to concentrate. And then I also have to work on Sundays, so it's just like it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff I have to do with football on Sunday. It's crazy and it's amazing. So let's hop in here with what what like what's one thing you saw in week one? One player that excited you the most for fantasy that you were really proud of them, Jake. I have to give props to former Packer Devontae Adams, who came out crushing in week one. I was a little skeptical of what his target share would look like coming into this season. And no need to worry if week one is any indication because no. 17 targets, a 46% target share. He is Derek Carr's best friend, and I'm excited for him. Yeah, it didn't really work for the Raiders. Like, they didn't put up much points. They lost the game. But Derek Carr was like, bro, I am throwing to you and throwing to you only. I don't care if we <laughs> lose this game. No, it was great because I, I had, you know, I have Devontae Adams ranked very highly. He's a great wide receiver, and I'm happy to see that Derek Carr is treating him well. Maybe Raiders fans aren't loving it. Kate, who is your favorite player this week that excited you? Michelle, it's got to be Saquon Barkley, right? I yeah. mean, like, come on. It's got to be Saquon Barkley. 18 carries, 164 yards in a score. No big deal. Six receptions for 30. All right, I'll take it. Like, this dude was everything that I wanted him to be, and he looked fantastic. He made my dreams come true. He was great. Uh, hey, Saquon Barkley, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make his <laughs> dreams come true. You won this one so far through week one. I was not I won, Saquon. You love him. I won TJ Hawkinson in week one true. too. So yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see how it goes. But I mean, he looked amazing. He, he really did. So there's that. And Saquon Barkley, if you have him in fantasy, just keep plugging him in and hope he keeps killing it. I will. My player that got me most excited was A.J. Dillon. It's not even like he had this crazy fantasy week, but he had a very, very solid fantasy week, was a top 10 running back. But he led the Packers, and not only carries, but also receiving yards and targets. Like, yes, please. Yes, I'll I'll take that. He had 10 carries to Aaron Jones, just five. And then the Packers had just two carries inside the five last week because it was just a gross game. But Dillon got both of those carries, which is nice to see. So keep plugging him in. Plugging in Aaron. Oh my God. AJ Dillon. Wow. Like Freudian slip. Now, Jake, before we got on the show, you were telling us about your weekend, your lovely anniversary mm-hmm. weekend with your wife. And you mentioned a little something about a sports bar you went to and its connection to AJ Dillon. So why don't you tell us about that? Because you have some really important information <laughs> that I think the fans need to know. I have the insider knowledge about why A.J. Dillon did so well this weekend is because he eats his chicken wings at a little a townie bar called AC Tap in Door County, Wisconsin. And he gets the car- the garlic Parmesan wings. Yep. And you know what? Elite. I had them. 
I went to that place and watched him play, and I was eating his wings while he was producing on the field, and it just it clicked. I understood why he does so well now. Listen, this is why I love him because garlic parm are my go-to choice, and anyone that that's you know that's their favorite wings, I can trust them. So I'm going to keep trusting him. Now Jake, let's go to the opposite side here. No, I think Jake is going to be RB one this week too. Oh, okay, Jake. <laughs> we need to put Jake he out there after the eating the chicken wings. wings. You put on some poundage, and you're ready to go out right. there and face some NFL defenders. All right. I see that. Which player are we most disappointed in in week one? Obviously, it's just week one, but who is it, Jake? I'm so sad about Adam Thielen. I was really hopeful. Uh, you know, that game, one of the games that I watched, Packers <laughs> and Vikings, uh, Packers were getting gashed, but it was not by Adam Thielen at all. Dude had just uh, three receptions for 36 yards, very meager showing for him. Hopefully it's just, uh, you know, the preference was Justin Jefferson because he was constantly open and maybe that will change going forward. But for right now, pretty much a bummer. Really thought you were about to say he was constipated. So glad you (laughs) said he was constantly open. Michelle, who were you really disappointed by in week one? It has to be CeeDee Lamb, right? I mean, if you were to tell me that CeeDee Lamb was going to get 11 targets in week one, I would have been, oh my God, my guy that I ranked so high, he's hitting so fast, he's doing so well, and it ended up with two receptions for 29 yards. And then the kicker, Dak Prescott, gets hurt, and he's going to be out for a while. So it's like now he gets Cooper Rush throwing him the ball. So it's probably not going to get any better anytime soon. And I really – people keep asking, what do I do with him? Do I keep playing him in? I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. <laughs> I, he's going to keep getting the targets. I just – it could keep looking like this, which is unfortunate. The Cowboys' offense looked like garbage. garbage. And C.D. Lamb did not look like a wide receiver one, which was my concern all off all season. Right, all right. He got 11 targets. I mean, targets are earned, but that's fantastic. <laughs> but like also, yes, CD lamb is going to earn targets over Noah Brown who like nobody even knew existed. Well, they kept until trying the to make just... Dennis Houston happen. Oh. It's not going to happen. Cowboys. Let Stop targeting him. Kate, who is your most disappointing player this week? Well, I was going to talk about Travis Etienne because obviously we've been super high on him as a podcast. Only saw four rushing attempts this week. Did great on that rushing. Event. Did great. Uh, looked fantastic. Was I will targeted. say he seems disappointing, but he dropped a touchdown. Yes, which was an easy touchdown. He should not yes. have dropped it. That that stinks for him. It happened. DeAndre Swift last year had a really easy touchdown. He dropped. So That's, remember that. And then also another target in the end zone that was overthrown by Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying like that is what's disappointing, but to see James Robinson get 11 carries to year four when you've done extremely well with those carries, like it is a bummer for me. Like I, I really thought we were going to see more Travis Etienne right out of the gate here. But honestly, I think I'm most shocked that nobody's talked about Cam Akers yet. Nobody on oh, this podcast. Because nobody was, was high on him. So why would we be disappointed? We were not, but the, the fantasy community at large. The question was, was who were you most appointed, dis- okay. disappointed in? But do you mean my week? farty fade of the week last week? Is that who you're talking about, Cam Akers? <laughs> yes. I don't think even you projected how farty this farty fade True. would fart. We are going to get into <laughs> Cam Akers uh, later in the episode when we talk about Daryl Henderson. Because if you remember, we're going to go through the same process as last week. We'll hit on the news. We're going to get on our scrumptious starts of the week, our fades of the week. And then we're going to talk about some, you know, flex options this week, maybe some lineup decisions that you might have. And Cam Akers will be in that discussion. So we'll leave that disgusting, terrible performance later. It's not really his fault. He had three carries, but for zero <laughs> yards. But we'll get into that in a little 12 bit. 12 offensive snaps. It, like, that's bad. It, it that's was, real bad. It was bad. We'll talk about it. Later on in the episode, let's jump into the news and notes. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. All right, first up, we got some bad news. Keenan Allen hamstring ruled out for Thursday night football. So get him out of your lineups. Obviously, Mike Williams had a goose egg last week, but you're playing him, like especially now that Keenan Allen is out. This should be a good matchup. But Jake, Josh Palmer, now that Keenan Allen is out, do you even consider picking him up and starting him this week? 
I don't think I can do it. In fact, if I'm going to lean towards any sort of substitute, it might actually be DeAndre Carter. Um, our favorite Liz Loza posted on Twitter. He recorded an 82% slot snap share this last week. That's primarily where Keenan Allen occupies. Carter had himself a, a pretty decent game here this this week one. Not saying that like I'm thrilled to start him either, but I think if I had a preference, it would actually be Carter over Palmer. I think that's fair. Kate, any thoughts? I don't have as many thoughts for uh, the the players right now, but I do want to give a shout out to Keenan Allen specifically. So he played a total of 22 offensive snaps before the injury. He had four receptions for 66 yards. If he comes back at some point and he's healthy, I think you're going to need to steal him and trade for him or do whatever because, my God, that, like, imagine if he played that whole game. Yeah. We would have had a really good game from Keenan Allen. So, I like, I think the Chargers are going to be fine, but my biggest takeaway here is how good Keenan Allen was before the injury. I mean, Keenan Allen was a high pick. He's good. I mean. Shocker. Yeah, but he's one of these guys that we're just, like, never excited about. And I think if he would have played out that game – he would have been a, a name that we were talking about a lot. So, Palmer injury. Yeah, I don't think I'm picking up Josh Palmer just yet. You know, uh, you it's week two. You shouldn't need a Josh Palmer just yet. Elijah Mitchell goes to IR. He'll be out for about two months. Uh, not great. Not great for him. But Kyle Shanahan said he will go with the hot hand at running back in week two. Thanks for that, Shanahan. So now, <laughs> who do we pick up? I feel like everyone just thinks it's Jeff Wilson. Maybe it will be. You know, he's the vet there. I'm sure Shanahan can trust him. Jordan Mason, though, got it was active over their third-round running back, Ty Davis-Price. Jordan Mason has the most similar skill set to Elijah Mitchell. I see, you know, maybe not this next game, but I see Jordan Mason taking over this role. What about you guys? I I don't see anything coming to fruition out of this backfield. I feel like it's going to get messy or it's going to be the exact opposite of who any of us would expect. Like it's not any of the three names that are already floated out. Somehow this mysterious man will come out in week three and take over. I just don't trust him. They did sign Marlon Mack to the practice squad. So there you go. (laughs) I do think it'll be Jordan Mason sooner or later. Maybe if Jeff Wilson gets 20 carries, he's going to get like 60 yards. Maybe steal some touchdowns. I don't know. Have fun, I guess. Yeah, but I do want to like bring up the fact that, I mean, we had beat reporters all through camp and they said like the tear break between Jeff Wilson and the other backup running backs on that roster were like that tear break was super significant. You have a player that they really, really like, like they just, they won't let go of Jeff Wilson. I do think that, there's a whole sea of people right now fading Jeff Wilson. And I do think he's probably going to be valuable for the time being. Yeah. Like I, I, well, think I, that, I don't, I don't know if people are fading him. Everyone I was think spending it, all of their fab on him. And... I guess maybe that's like the fantasy Twitter community is fading him. And I get it. There's so much risk here, but I think Kyle Shanahan, when he happens to have a healthy running back, which is very seldom, very, very seldom, He actually likes to have a guy. And I think that this coaching staff really likes Jeff Wilson and he's produced whenever he's had the opportunity. So I'm, I'm in on Jeff Wilson more so than the consensus would seem. All right. If you have space, pick up Jordan Mason and see how it goes. Obviously don't plug him in until we actually see the usage. Uh, It seems like every single Buccaneers wide receiver and even Leonard Fournette now is injured. Chris Godwin, hamstring, expected to be out for a bit. Julio Jones is, you know, missed practice with a knee issue, I guess, on Wednesday. Russell Gage, hamstring, missed practice on Wednesday. Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette were both limited. Brutal. I would imagine. I feel like Julio Jones, like, that has to be, like, maybe a, rest a veteran yeah. rest day. And, like, that I can absolutely see. And, you know, giving Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette a limited practice Wednesday seems like kind of doable given the touch total that they've seen and the amount they play. But Russell Gage, I think, is the most alarming of the few. But Chris Godwin uh, being out and 
Julio Jones being in, if he is in fact in, I think Julio just became a weekly flex, flex play. Yeah. Without a doubt. Sure. Yep. George Kittle still not practicing on Wednesday. Keep an eye on that. Najee Harris was limited in practice on Wednesday. He says he will play. We will be getting to him in this episode. He's either my scrumptious start or my fade. So you're going to want to listen for that. J.K. Dobbins practice in full on Wednesday. Really good news. Ravens run game in week one was atrocious. Like absolutely atrocious against the Jets defense who allowed the most uh, fantasy points to running backs in 2021. So that was pretty crazy. But if J.K. Dobbins comes back, do you trust him in week one? No. no. I said this last week, even if he was going to be healthy, there's no chance I was playing him or anybody back there. I'm following the same trend for week two. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And then Alan Lazard back at practice. Limited, but he's back at practice. Now, do you trust him back? The first week, because I mean, like I said, AJ Dillon led the team that uh, for Aaron Rodgers in the passing game last week. Like he needs a wide receiver he can trust. He clearly does not trust Christian Watson after that. That oh my goodness, Horrific that drop. drop. I mean, come on, I could have caught that. Anyone could have caught that. Are you trusting Alan Lazard his first week back? If, if he's a full go or they say anything approximating that, I will. Yeah, I'll try and find a way to get him into my flex because, like you said, Rodgers needs, wants somebody he can trust that will be Lazard if he's healthy. All right. Time to jump into our scrumptious starts of the week. So meaty. What's not to like? Custard? Good. Jam, good. Meat, good. It is delicious. It's good for me. It's a perfect way to start the day. Jake, let's start with you. Who's your number one? Well, let's keep the good times going. Uh, Opposite of my Green Bay Packers, I'm talking about Darnell Mooney, wide receiver for uh, Chicago Bears, who gets to play the Packers this week. Mentioned up at the top of the episode, but the Packers got absolutely torched. That secondary looked atrocious. Justin Jefferson put up 184 yards and two touchdowns, and he would have easily had more if the Vikings had any reason to continue throwing, which they did not because the Packers offense was so ineffective throughout the game. So that was a a cap that could have gotten blown away even more. And, you know, Coach LaFleur came out and said after the game, the reason for this, like their star secondaries, their star corners were not on Justin Jefferson because they're playing a zone defense. That's what they're doing this year. So Jair Alexander was never going to match up on him unless it just happened naturally. And he didn't indicate any change forthcoming. That's what the defense identity is. It's, It's frustrating. It's so frustrating to hear him say that. But that also alludes to a potential big game then for Darnell Mooney, who's coming off of that monsoon game against the 49ers. So really none of the pass catchers were involved for the Bears. Again, it was a literal uh, flood happening on Soldier Field. So don't take anything from Mooney's, you know, three reception stat line last week. He does have the tools to be able to beat, you know, this defense deep, especially if they're going to continue the way that they played last week. So I'm not saying that he's Justin Jefferson uh, and recreating that stat line, but I think a hundred yard game is still very well within reach for him. Yeah, it is pretty wild because if you look at the Packers secondary on paper, they should be one of the best secondaries in the league. I mean, you got three fantastic corners in uh, Alexander and Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes. And then they have two good safeties. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it was really only Justin Jefferson who went off. So I'm not going to like be like, Oh, well, the Packers secondary isn't who we thought it was. Cause they shut down everyone else. It's just Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the league possibly. So I, I don't know if I trust Arnold Mooney, but we, we really can't uh, judge him off of the game last week because just nobody could do anything. So who are you playing over him? Who are some guys? Uh, I mean, I'm going to be playing basically everybody that. Uh, wait, who, I'm playing him over. I should say I'm going to be playing him over guys that are even like uh, a DJ Moore. I'm going to be more interested in Darnell Mooney this week. I'm playing him certainly over guys like Robert Woods, who disappointed last week, and I think will disappoint this week. Cool, Kate. Who's your scrumptious start of the week? I want to talk about Daryl Henderson, which like we talked about Cam Akers and his 
lack of playmaking ability. Well, like I want to highlight Daryl Henderson and his matchup with the Falcons. The Falcons allowed a league high 7.9 yards per rush attempt against the Saints last week. And it was kind of a weird game because like the Saints, for as much as they run, really didn't run all that much. But we saw efficiency in the run game. We saw Taysom Hill get involved as a rusher. We saw all of these really interesting uh, things from the Saints that allowed them to pull off the win. But they were one of just six teams in the NFL in week one who didn't force a single negative rush attempt. Now, Henderson in week one, he wasn't like super efficient, but 18 total touches on the week tied with Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, who... All of these guys are a lock for our lineup, especially based on that touch volume. But no other Rams running back had more than three running or three touches. Like Cam Akers, three rush attempts for zero yards. Like he did absolutely nothing to earn a higher uh, participation rate. Like we saw Sean McVay come out and he really did not give a rat's booty. He was like, if Cam Akers wants to play, he should play better when he gets the opportunity well, his to play exact like, words were, he will have to take more well these were his, his exact words now i say that but he said something <laughs> along the lines of he will have to take advantage of the opportunities that he is given and do you think he not did great. that in week one no no and like it, it just it was a really ugly ugly kind of sight but i mean it, it again like a lot of these times, you know, for example, Lovey Smith with the Houston Texans came out and said, well, it was our plan to get, you know, Damian Pierce more involved. And we didn't like, usually we see the coaching staff be like apologetic when you see a surprise shift in the, you know, overall game plan from what we expected. But Overall, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see much of a swift uh, or much of a switch for Daryl Henderson. Led all running backs in the number of routes run, hauled in all five of his targets. Like, I consider him a low end RB two at the worst, and I think he's got RB one upside against the Falcons. Who are you playing him over? I'll take him over Clyde edwards alaire David Montgomery, Rashad Penny. Like, I I'm not starting him over my studs, but I think he's definitely. RB2 material and has some upside this week. Cool. I like it. Uh, uh, my scrumptious start of the week should not be a surprise to anyone. I love this man. Gabe Davis versus the Titans. Now, he had such a nice season opener. But people, I feel like, you know, the people who weren't high on Gabe Davis, they don't give him the credit, right? He had four receptions, 88 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He was tackled at the six yard line on his long 47 yard reception. It was a ball underthrown. It could have easily been his second touchdown of the day. But either way, it was a very good fantasy outing for Gabe Davis. Now, everyone's like, well, the five targets. Like, we told you, he's just not going to get enough targets. And that's fine. No one says he needs a ton of targets, A, because he is a big play touchdown scoring machine with Josh Allen. Like, you don't need 130-plus targets to be good in fantasy when when you're that kind of player. But also, at the same time, he had four targets in the first half. So extrapolate that out. That's eight targets for the game. And then we'd all be like, oh, wow, that's really nice for him. He had just one target in the second half. But the thing is, Allen had just 11 pass attempts in the second half. He only had 31 attempts in the whole entire game. Allen had just three completions in the fourth quarter, a 47-yard reception the game, a 53-yard touchdown to Diggs, and a one-yard reception to Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss had six targets in this game for whatever reason. He wasn't doing anything with them. So I don't expect that to keep up as well. Like by the time you get got to the second half, it just wasn't a passing game anymore. So I'm not worried about the targets whatsoever. He This is a great matchup against the Titans who allowed a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers last season. Uh, I'm playing him over pretty much everyone besides your known studs like putting him in over Marquise Brown over DK Metcalf over Brandon Cooks over CD Lamb and over Deontay Johnson like those second tier guys plugging him in for sure over them do you guys like it yeah you know every time CD Lamb's name comes up now I quiver uh, <laughs> and wait I, not wait. not like that what does CD Lamb have to do with this 
Oh, sorry. Wait, did you not say you would start him over C.D. Lamb? Did I just make that up for oh, you? Oh, no, I did. I did. But I was talking about you guys like my Gabe Davis. Pick. No, uh, because I refuse <laughs> to ever admit that I like Gabe Davis on this podcast. No, I, I do honestly, though, believe that starting him over a guy like C.D. Lamb is totally the right move. Um, it's still a little bit boom bust and you have to roll with that punch, but I'm comfortable with it because his ceiling, damn it, it is high. It's amazing. I think like the, honestly, one of the most like incredible things about what Gabe Davis is and what he did in week one is the fact that you had both his supporters and naysayers both coming out and thinking they had a victory. Like, how often do you see a kind of performance that can split people down the middle like that? I, I just think it's incredible. I don't understand how anyone can be on the wrong side. But it's just so, like, <laughs> isn't it amazing how both sides can both think they're still right after this game? It is. Like, it is. what a polarizing figure. I think it's so fun. Yeah. All right, Jake, let's hop into your second guy here. A little bit ballsier. This Take one's a little away. deeper. Yeah, a little deeper for sure. Um, I loved what I saw out of Curtis Samuel, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders in week one. He gets to play the Lions this week. He led his team with 11 targets, eight receptions, 55 yards, a touchdown. And he threw on four rushing attempts, which was a 16% rushing share from that backfield, by the way. Um, but really, the focal point should be his 26% target share and how creatively he was used. He is Debo Samuel, ultra, ultra light. Um, Sam Wallace posted this to Twitter, said seven of his targets came in the zero to nine yards of the line of scrimmage. That is Carson Wentz's sweet spot. Almost half of his passing attempts over the last three years have been to that zone. He favors that. So a guy like Curtis Samuel could very well thrive in this offense. He could almost be a pseudo replacement for the tight end production that I expected uh, those guys to have, especially while Logan Thomas is still a little banged up. He was out there week one, but um, he certainly wasn't as effective as he has been in years past. I just like the creativity. I like the dual usage. I expect that to continue. So I'm starting him over his teammates, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson this week. I'm also starting him over guys like Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper, who you have maybe high hopes for, but I think the floor is much safer with him. Yeah, I like this. I mean, he looked good. He looked like his own old self. The matchup is perfect. So I definitely think you can plug him in. Now, here's a question. Curtis Samuel or Julio Jones? If like he's good, like, he practices this week. If Julio's good, I feel like that upside is so tantalizing. I think I would go Julio. Julio for me. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel... Yeah, it, it's Julio. It's Julio for sure. It's so weird that like Julio Jones could be back. You know, he looked good. He looked fast. He's with Tom Brady. Uh, very interesting. Kate, who's your uh, second favorite scrumptious player of the week? Uh, I'm actually going with the same team here, Jake, which. Wow, Commanders I love. I am <laughs> really scared to put all of the ball blast eggs in the the commander's basket um <laughs> but i am kind of loving antonio gibson i from the get-go was kind of thinking as soon as uh it came to light that brian robinson was at least going to miss uh you know some time with the commanders after his thing uh, i kind of figured like we're the, the general consensus is just too low on antonio gibson now after that narrative but i was like what else is he really competing with, right? And we saw that in week one. And now they get to face the Lions, which if you look at the stats, right, they'll break down like estimated point contributions. The Lions rush defense contributed, uh, contributed an estimated 18 fantasy points scored by the Eagles, which means that, or not fantasy points, like real life points, like, which means, so many points were allowed to these rushers. They came from the quarterback and came from the running back. Like it didn't matter. The Eagles were just running. And I do think part of that is the Eagles, but I also think that the Washington commanders are going to be able to score in this one. Gibson tied Derrick Henry for the eighth most scrimmage touches among running backs. He was heavily involved as a receiver second in the team targets only, only behind 
Jake's beloved Curtis Samuel third in routes run among all running backs. I think that like for the time being, until we see Brian Robinson in this offense and healthy, I think that Antonio Gibson is an RB one RB two every week. Yeah. I actually really love Gibson this week. He performed great. He actually led the team in receiving yards last week. And this matchup is so good. He should get into the end zone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to go from Gibson, nobody wanting him to then Brian Robinson being out and him being, you know, great, but he's still like it, the narrative never really fully shifted. I don't think after this bad taste that, you know, the whole Brian Robinson situation put in Gibson owner's mouths, like it just never really cleared things up for Robinson. And I feel like nobody really ever gave him credit that, you know, without that competition there, he's still going to be the guy and let's take advantage of that, you know, while he's on the field. Yeah. A hundred percent. My guy. So I would actually have a really hard decision between these two players. If I had to pick one, which I might be. Uh, So I would like Jake's opinion after I talk about him and you can be the tiebreaker, but it's Javante Williams versus the Texans. Now Williams had a really good fantasy day in week one, and it could have been a way bigger day. Uh, He had uh, mostly his fantasy great performance was due to his 11 receptions for 65 receiving yards. Like that helps in PPR so much, but he also looked great on the ground. He averaged over six yards per carry, but he saw just seven rushing attempts all game. Like, yes, Melvin Gordon's going to steal snaps. He's going to get the carries, but it's really good to see that Javante Williams was the receiving back there because last year it felt like they were targeting Melvin Gordon more and just using him in those areas. So it was great to see that he's just so good with the ball in his hands. He can do everything they need. Like I get it. Melvin Gordon's still a good player, but like Javante Williams deserves a workhorse role. And it's really upsetting. He's not getting it, but either way, the Texans, he gets to face them this week and they allowed the most rushing yards in the NFL, to running backs last season. And then they didn't look any better at the start of this season because Jonathan Taylor destroyed them for 161 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. So like, yeah, Gordon will get his touches, but Javante Williams is absolutely fine. So I guess it's different in a way he like Antonio Gibson doesn't have to share touches, but like Javante Williams is such a better player. Take on Barkley had more rushing yards. <laughs> Jake, who Jake, who are you starting between Javante Williams and Antonio Gibson if you have that choice? Well, first of all, Kate, you mentioned earlier about both sides victory lapping a player. This happened with Javante Williams as well. One side came out and said, look, it is a, a split between him and Melvin Gordon. See, I told you. And the other side's like, dummies, look at all the targets that he just got in week one. I fall on the side of look at all the targets he got in week one. I love that. I agree that he should get, should get a lot more usage. I know rational coaching and assuming that Nathaniel Hackett's going to do the right thing. Might not be smart, but that's what I'm going to go with. I would actually prefer Javante this week. Well, just like think about if he gets into the end zone there instead of fumbling. That's a seven-point mm-hmm. swing. He already scored 19 fantasy points in PPR League. Same thing. And that's with a fumble. Same thing with Oh, actually, an eight-point swing is a fumble. Well, I know Melvin Gordon's a fine play as well. Deep, Like, like I, I don't want to play him as much saying... as Javante, but I'm saying Javante Williams, if he does not fumble there and he gets in, that's an eight-point swing. Like, and then he scores 27 points on the week, and all of a sudden he's uh, he's an obvious play every single week. And now I feel like people are still worried because Melvin Gordon got so much work. And this is just too good of a matchup. So, Jake, Antonio Gibson or Williams? You didn't answer. I said Javante Williams. I would go with oh, Williams okay, this week. Sorry. And part of it's just because I don't want Gibson cutting into Curtis Samuel. Let, let my man just have it already. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I like it. So, Kate, you're alone here. Uh, wait, we had bets last week. I'm going to pull those up as you guys are talking because we have to fulfill those bets. Do you even remember what Oh, they were? no. Oh, <laughs> I no. think I wrote them down somewhere. <laughs> I think I did, hopefully, because I really don't remember what they were. I have a feeling one was about Kadarius Tony. I really hope that's not true because that Ooh, I think it felt... was. No, I don't know. All right, <laughs> Jake, biggest fade of the week. I want to say... Your first fade is the least ballsy of ballsies that we've ever done on this podcast, I think. Really? I, I thought again. you I thought you of all people were going to hate this. Listen, um, I'm this already right man. because he had a big play in week one. So, like, check, 
You know, we, all we care about is week one and being right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Let's talk about mark. it. Let's yeah. talk about it. My first farty fade of this week is Robbie <laughs> Anderson, beloved wide receiver for Michelle this year. Not really. We just like to keep pushing that. Um, but he did finish as wide receiver 10 last week in full PPR. So great. Awesome. Well done, Robbie. Kudos to you. Most of that was on one play in the fourth quarter that was on blown coverage. And so if you take, and we would never take away stats, of course, he did what he did. So let him have it. But when 68% of your fantasy points do come from that one blown coverage play late in the fourth quarter, it just gets, doesn't give me a ton of hope for consistency moving forward. So this week against the Giants, it's great that Baker might do that, could do that. I don't expect him to rely on that, especially on a game where CMC seemed to be eased in. So once CMC starts to see more targets and sees his own workload increase, I think that that is going to spell even just less chances because eight targets for Robbie Anderson, I think that is atypical. And again, the production that he had from the remaining seven targets, you know, did leave something to be desired. So I am willing to start you know, I'm certainly starting, again, Julio Jones over Robbie Anderson. I know that's not uh, big news here, but I'm also going to start my disappointment, Adam Thielen, over Robbie Anderson. I'm still going to be starting guys like Hunter Renfro, who also disappointed last week over Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I mean, starting Robbie Anderson ever, like, ever is never going to feel good. Like, he could have another big play this game. And I, I know I said before, like I said, he was one of the guys at the end of your drafts. I'm interested in looking at and drafting because his play style goes so well with Baker's play style of just those deep targets and they're going to hit on him. but you never know which games are going to hit. And it's just, that's really what you're hoping for is that one reception. So I I'm kind of backing off and being a little baby now, even after his good game, <laughs> Because it is going to be so hard to predict those. So I agree with you, but I think you're not being ballsy by saying that. Not not I'm a ballsy take. This is I'm the ball blast it. podcast, Jake. It's okay. I had Joe Mixon as a scrumptious. Emphasis on blast. Yeah, jeez. Um, <laughs> all right, Kate. Or, yeah, Kate, who's your first farty fart fade of the week? Farty fart fade. I'm calling this one. Bug to some hill. Oh, my God. No. No, Michelle, uh, you would be and no Michelle, one starting Rami Anderson and Taysom Hill. Michelle, that's just not be, true. You would be shocked and aboard by the number of people that have reached out to me via DM about Taysom Hill and whether or not he's a must add this week. He people dropped not. all their fab on him this week. All their fab. I, on him you can week. play him in the tight end position, and the tight end position is yucky, that's the so, only. Okay. They already Michelle. They already stripped him of his quarterback okay. ability. Okay. So. He's literally just being played as a tight end. But my whole takeaway, so in week one, had five total touches for 83 yards and a touchdown. That sounds fantastic, right? I I love that. Almost 70% of his rushing yards, though, came on a single rushing attempt. And he played only 16 offensive snaps. Don't fall for it. I don't need much more of a reason. I, like is there a chance that this performance gets him more snaps? I don't know, like probably not, but maybe, and I'm not going to be optimistic enough to throw him into my tight end slot. Like there have to be 30 other options that I want to throw into a tight end spot before. <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's say you punted the position and you took an Austin Hooper. You took a David and Joku at the tight end Austin position. Hooper and David and Joku played had much more offensive opportunities and like did absolutely nothing and did absolutely nothing, but at least they were on the field. You can't make plays until you're on the field and Taysom Hill that like, and I'm very happy that he happened to have, you know, what, what was it? A 57 yard rushing attempt. But if he didn't have that and you started him, you would have been kapush. Kapush. I will say, I, I think, kapush. you know, Irv Smith could be on your waivers. Cause he did absolutely nothing in week one. I, I expect him to be more involved. They were, you know, kind of getting him back into the flow with his injury. And then Gerald Everett, Robert Tanyan went, uh, had a real nice week one. Now his matchup was amazing. So we'll see if that keeps up. And yeah. Robert Tanyan. So there are other options, but now that I made fun of you so hard, I don't think uh-huh. Casey Hill at the tight end position is the worst. If you had, like, if you did draft, like, 
David and Joku had every chance in the world in week one. He's just, I mean, how many, how many weeks are we going to give him? But Michelle, how many seasons has he played in the NFL? And we're just like, Oh, maybe next week, maybe next week. Same for Chase week. Same for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill has been 40 more productive. Taysom Hill is like David and Joku could dream at least 75 years old at this point. David and Joku (laughs) wishes he was Taysom Hill. Every rushing attempt. He needs his Walker to get past the the (laughs) yard of the line of scrimmage. Like Taysom Hill. I'm my only warning here is that he is a trap. I think that you will be trapped. Michelle, you can have all the Taysom Hill you want. I didn't touch him on my waivers. I have Travis Kelsey in a league because I'm smart. And he's the only tight end that mattered. Do not this last jinx week. him. He was Michelle. the only tight end that mattered this last week. She just and the only Schultz. tight end that matters in most weeks. Yeah. So like, good flex. Okay. Well, like <laughs> he won me a lot of leagues because he's amazing. Um, I'm actually going with a you know a harder take here, like yeah. of a player Ooh. you actually drafted in the first couple rounds. It's Najee Harris versus the Patriots. So you're not playing him if you have him. Listen, let me talk. So he scored 10.6 fantasy points last week in PPR leagues. Seven of those came on his short receiving touchdown. If he didn't score that touchdown, he would have completely goose egged you. Now I'm, I'm happy for him that he had a touchdown, but he only had two targets in that game. That's a, that's so far down of what we're used to seeing him last year with big Ben. The Patriots have allowed just six rushing touchdowns to the running back position since the start of last year the fewest in the NFL and Harris typically needs to get into the end zone to have a nice fantasy week because he's not efficient whatsoever on the ground. And it's not all him. Like the offensive line is absolutely atrocious that he's playing behind, but I just hate this matchup for him. And now the Patriots do have allowed the fourth most receiving yards to running back since 2021. The issue is the two targets he got last week, big Ben would just, go look for him like immediately it was I mean it was terrible for the offense but it was just check down check down check down Trubisky wasn't even looking his way and he only got two targets and then he's dealing with a random foot injury that like they are being so uh, non-specific about and we don't know what the hell it is and it happened in camp and then he it seemed like he was really really hurt in week one he didn't play the rest of the game as soon as he came out and of the game in week one I was like all right that's it. Yeah. Or without, I like, thought he was going to be gone for at least a month. And now he's saying he's going to play. I don't like that for him. Like he gets tackled again. Weird. He's out for the game. Like I really don't want to play him. Obviously you might have to, but guys I'm going to play over him uh, include AJ Dillon, obviously uh, Josh Jacobs, CH, Daryl Henderson. And even I might get as ballsy to play Jeff Wilson over Najee Harris. Like Ooh. I really don't want to have to play him and I, I get it if you have to, but Ooh-hoo. It's not something I want to do. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad wow. you said this instead of me. If I'd said it, it would have felt like a personal attack onto both of you Steelers fans. So the fact that you uh, said it makes me feel better. And I, yeah, I'm super concerned about the injury for him for this week. So I, I am on board with this. I'm sad because I love him so much. But yeah, mm-hmm. has to be sad. Jake, who's your second party part of the week? Here's another one that I'm sure you're going to give me guff for, for not being bold enough. No, this, this, this one's guy, cool. This one's good. This Wait, one's what good. is yeah. she giving you? Guff? Guff? You never hear that? That's an old-timey phrase. It's like, you're going to give me guff, see? Yeah, you're going to You're going to give me guff my... on the Davenport, and I'm going to send you out <laughs> to clean the roof. Oh, we haven't watched Family Guy in a long time. <laughs> and why did that just remind <laughs> you of Family that? Guy? The oh, Davenport. Davenport. <laughs> I don't know. The Chesterfield. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Anyways, the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, Family Guy is such a good show. <laughs> okay. But the guy I'm talking about, he was not on Family Guy. Let me get ahead of that right now. He was but not Cordero- on the Chesterfield. <laughs> Cordero Patterson was out in uh, Atlanta last week doing good things for your fantasy teams. He finished as the running back five last week. And that's why I say people are going to look towards a position at running back where a lot of guys disappointed. They're going to see Cordero Patterson. They're going to say, let's put him in here. I want to temper that expectation for a couple of reasons. Number one, almost all of his production actually came on the ground. He was a traditional running back for once, which is not what we're used to seeing from him. Typically, 
it's all the short uh, passes. You know, it's the targets. He didn't really have any of that. He got 120 yards rushing, and that's not going to happen again. Uh, his backfield mate, Damian Williams, left the game pretty early. Uh, I think that there's going to be more of a split, certainly in a focus, if Damian Williams gets back to spreading the love a little bit. Or if he can't go, I do expect them to activate somebody. Maybe Tyler Algier, the rookie, actually is not a healthy scratch for week two, if that's the case. But whatever the reason, he's also going against the Los Angeles Rams. We just saw what they did to the Buffalo backfield, holding them to 65 rushing yards amongst the three. Betwixt the three of them, they got 65 measling rushing yards. This is not a game that I think will favor Cordero Patterson. Marcus Mariota is leeching away some of that rushing potential as well. He had 72 rushing yards himself. Yeah, hypothetically, that can open things up for Cordero Patterson. This is not the game to bank on that. Yeah, I want to agree with you, but I was so down on him in week one because he was going up against the Saints, who are such a strong defense against the run, and then he just destroyed them. And I know you're bringing up the Bills didn't do that well against the Rams, but like Devin Singletary was destroying them. It's just... The Bills, he just had eight carries. But the like, Bills kept making stupid decisions. Like, I love Zach Moss more than anything, but like, Devin Singletary far outplayed him. Like, he should not have been taken out of the game for Zach Moss in that game as much as he was. And so I will say, like, it's not like the Rams defense looked that good. They just looked really good against Zach Moss. <laughs> and not so good about Devin. <laughs> not so good against Devin Singletary. And I do think Cordell Patterson is that type of running back who could do well against the Rams. We'll see. Like, I want to agree with you because I was low on Patterson this year. I was like, oh, it was a fluke. He was good. But, man, he just keeps proving us wrong, right? It's so hard to keep going against him. And I I'm think doing that it, though. Cordero Patterson poses more of a depth, like a, a dual threat than, you know, the Rams projected Zach Moss to be. Even though he got, what was it, five – Six, five, six receptions. Like yeah, six it, I still don't think that they regarded him as the same kind of threat in the receiving game that Cordero Patterson would be. I actually almost made him a scrumptious start of the week and Ooh. not Ooh. necessarily because of the matchup, but I do think that he is going to touch the ball a lot. And so, okay. Najee Harris or Cordero Patterson. Shut up. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am not like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to make the decision to sit. Najee. Like if Najee Harris is active, I like, I don't know. This is something that I struggle with. If he's active, do you play? I don't know. Okay. <sighs> Jake, what about you? Najee Harris or Patterson? I would you rather start. Yeah. I would still rather start Najee Harris. Um, I, I was just more talking about the tempered expectations for Najee. I'm not saying he's going to be a complete failure this week, but yeah, I'd rather take uh, take him. Okay. All right. Let's move on, Kate, to your second fit of the week. This one feels a little stupid, Michelle, and I'm like scared you're going to yell at me now, but uh, I'm fading Chase Edmonds against the Ravens backfield. I'm I not going to yell at you. People drafted him to start him. And people it, did. And yeah. I like, I love people did not draft Robbie Anderson or Taysom Hill, like at all. So that's why I yelled well, at no, you guys. The only reason that I brought up Taysom Hill again was the number. I, I, I get it. I, I would have never it. even thought to talk about him if I didn't receive probably four or five DMS asking me about Taysom Hill. Like, you're I so didn't realize popular. I didn't realize that that was a thing though. So I was just putting my opinion out all there. Right, Chase Edmonds, why you down on him? I mean, I it, like first of all, it just comes down to I think that this game is going to, or this offense is going to continue to favor the wide receivers. Like I, we saw in Week One, Tyreek Hill saw twelve targets. We saw Jalen Waddle uh, with an incredible breakaway touchdown, five targets, sixty-nine yards, and a touchdown. Like. Tua didn't look great, but it, this offense still featured the wide receivers. And I don't think the Patriots are necessarily like a pushover defense. I would probably rather pass against them than run against them. But still, Chase Edmonds, 12 rush attempts for 25 yards, bro. Like, not good. He did come up with four receptions for 40 receiving yards, which is great. But I don't think the upside is high enough. And I do think that the Ravens are a better defense than uh, even they looked in week one against the Jets, who they held to nine points. So, like, 
I'm not at all trusting that they're going to be able to establish the run. I don't trust Chase Edmonds. I'm going to be playing Chase Edmonds, but it's going to be in matchups that are very favorable. And that's not what I see this to be at all. Yeah, I agree with you. The Ravens are hard against the run. Now he is used as a receiver in, I mean, I don't know if it's just the Jets and Joe Flacco or they saw something against the Ravens defense. Clearly it wasn't the right game plan because they scored nine points, but they targeted their running backs 18 times the Jets did against the Ravens. So if Chase Edmonds, you know, if they're going to go with that same game plan and he gets a bunch of targets and maybe he can be good. But yeah, I mean, I'm just not ever. What is the upside? What is the upside? That he gets 11 targets and gets in the end zone, I guess. But yeah, it's not it's not fantastic. Jake, what are your thoughts on Chase Edmonds? He's the definition of meh. But like, I understand there are going to be people who need to start him because of presumed injuries and just questions. So I get it. Like I get it. If you don't have other solid options, I would still rather start him above Jeff Wilson. I think for this week, just because I know what his workload is going to be. So that's uh, what the exact question I was going to ask. It's kind of weird. You just read my mind. I was going to say Chase Edmonds or Jeff Wilson. You guys have been co-hosting together too long. Too I think long. I might lean Jeff Wilson only for the fact, I think he might have more scoring opportunities now again i still think jordan mason could be the guy so i'm a little hesitant but if jeff wilson does get the workload now what's kind of insane is that the 49ers week one game was a literal monsoon you cannot take anything from the game everyone's saying it there was if you go look at the videos it's a foot of water just sitting on the field like their turf did not drain it's brand new turf and it just did not drain uh, i don't know what it was they didn't at fix what it. point can they, opposing they, teams just refuse to play they couldn't field. even see the lines they had to put the fake lines on the telecast because you couldn't see the lines through the rain like that's insane but what's also insane is it's supposed to it never rains in san francisco especially around this time they're in a huge drought right now but on sunday it's supposed to rain from 3 a.m until the night of sunday like just rain all day all uh, night uh so you're going to get another rain game which is kind of insane let's hope it's not the same type of field con- conditions but it, it should be another running back game so there's jeff wilson i guess i'm still inclined to go jeff wilson and a lot of that just comes back to me projecting a much higher upside for jeff wilson like i think what are like who do you think has the better chance to have 20 carries in week two. Cause I think that's Jeff Wilson. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So who do you project? But who has more of a chance to get eight targets easily Edmonds? Yeah, that's Edmonds. Yeah. It's probably like Edmonds, but I don't think that's going to happen with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the field. So like barring injury, I don't, I, I don't know if that's as probable. I, I don't know. I think that's fair. Hopefully you don't have to start him and you have other options. But if you do have to start Chase Edmonds, this is more of a plea, like get some upside in your lineup because I think you might need it this week. Fair. My guy, it's kind of the same type of thing. Like it's Brandon Cooks versus the Broncos. And if you have to start. Oh, Jake's going to be so mad. (laughs) If you have to start Brandon Cooks, then fine. Like he should be all right. It's just like. The upside just seems to not be there for him. He had 12 targets in week one. He ended with seven receptions for 82 receiving yards. You'll take that. Cool. Get me. Again, PPR leagues, that's 15 points. All right. He was the only player on his team with over 40 receiving yards. He's clear wide receiver one. Uh, And that's all great, right? But he gets the Broncos this week. And although the Broncos defense didn't seem that great against Geno Smith, they still, I mean, they still held them to not very many points and none of the wide receivers really did anything. DK Metcalf had seven targets for only and seven receptions, but for 36 yards and Patrick Sertan is going to shadow Brandon cooks. Cause he's the only wide receiver on the team that really means anything. And he locked down both Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in this game, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. I could see this being the same exact stat line for Brandon Cooks, where he gets seven or eight targets. He could catch most of them, but for 30, 40, maybe even 50 yards. So it's not you must sit him because he can still do it in PPR and be okay. It's just like, it's not a great 
you know, a great play. It's just like, meh. He never scores touchdowns. Where are your stupid touchdowns, Brandon <laughs> Cooks? So who I'd play over him? Amon Ross St. Brown, Gabe Davis, Juju, Julio Jones, Curtis Samuel. Those are just uh, to name a few. But there's a lot of guys with higher upside that I, I want to plug in over him in week two. Yeah, it makes me sad. You know, I really have not talked about Brandon Cooks uh, this offseason. I felt like I talked about him maybe too much last year. So uh, I spared everybody this year. But he is, you know, he's super consistent. But you're right. It's just the upside. It's not going to be there this week. All right, let's uh, dig into these uh, lineup decisions, your flex spots, or maybe your RB2 spots. You have to figure it out. These are some tough decisions you might have let's talk about these guys kind of on the fringe here first up james robinson comes back from his achilles and he looks good it's the complete opposite of cam Akers. averaged averaged in uh six (laughs) yards per rush attempt yeah he looked good he led the team with 11 attempts 66 yards you would think they would run more 15 total rush attempts between robinson and etn just doesn't seem enough probably a big reason why they Ended up losing that game there. Are we going with him or Daryl Henderson, who was seemed to be the clear lead back? Uh, he he goes against the Falcons, James Robinson against the Colts. Who are you going with, Jake? I like the matchup better for Daryl Henderson. I like his target upside more than I do for James Robinson. James Robinson saw two targets. Uh, that's Travis Etienne's world. So I'd rather take Henderson. Okay. It's Travis Etienne's world. We're just living in it. Um, I already <laughs> talked about Daryl Henderson. He was my scrumpish start. So obviously it's Daryl Henderson. I just like, yeah, without yeah. a question. Well, let's talk about Cam Akers here for a second. Cause we didn't talk about him in the beginning. He did only get three carries, zero yards. He has not looked good at all. 12 since total, Achilles. 12 total offensive. Snaps. Yeah. It's but, not just like he was, he was on the field and wasn't targeted why am or... i so nervous that we're gonna come out this week and it's gonna be the cam Akers show he's getting all the touches and we don't see daryl henderson like why can i see I... sean mcveigh doing this because zach moss like i feel like <laughs> zach moss has scarred you from having an opinion but like i mean honestly i again i said this with daryl henderson sean mcveigh non-apologetic regarding daryl henderson and his role in this offense he basically said to cam Akers. You want to be on the field, be better when you're on the field. Like it was very, it was super harsh. And I will say they, he has not been shy about throwing away hurt running backs before. I mean, Todd Gurley, he went from being a star in the NFL to being thrown away by the Rams immediately. So that, that, that is, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so nervous, but I am I would start Daryl Henderson here over James Robinson. Let's go to the other running back with the Jaguars, Travis Etienne. We talked about being a disappointment. He gets a hard matchup too against the Colts or Jeff Wilson against the Seahawks. That's a much nicer matchup. Uh, But he's like, he's not going to get targets at all. Like what's the upside? I don't know. Jake, what do you, what do you think here? It's not that Jeff Wilson has never gotten targets in his NFL career. He's had some games where it's like, oh, they gave him six targets, but you kind of wonder why. It's not that he's never gotten. It's just like, why did you get that? But Travis Etienne makes a lot of sense. And I do actually think that the matchup could maybe play into his favor against the Colts. You know, last week, the Jags didn't didn't need him. I mean, they still should have used him a lot more, let's be honest. But I don't think they needed him as much as they will in this game against Indy. So I'm still going to favor the target upside here. I don't feel super confident, though. I'll be honest. What about you, Kate? Because I can't decide. I need a second. So my answer comes down to your individual roster. If you need upside, that's obviously Travis Etienne. But I think Jeff Wilson has the safer floor in week two. Yeah, and I don't even think we're having this conversation if ETN just comes down with that reception that was he should have had. Or conversely, he would have had that reception. Great, he has some fantasy points, but you know that came on one play. So, like my my issue with Travis ETN comes more down to like the lack of usage in comparison to James Robinson on the ground, and. Like that is more my concern, not the fact that he dropped a touchdown. Like, yeah, it's just how much he was like, I thought this was going to be Etienne's time to shine because of the fact that this was Robinson's first game back. And no, he didn't even get sort of like 
that, um, you know, ramp up period of usage. It, no, it was just James Robinson. That's what makes me nervous. Um, not the fact that ETN dropped a touchdown, but I still, the, the principle stands ETN for upside, Jeff Wilson for safety. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's move on to some wide receivers here. Marquise Brown versus the Raiders or DK Metcalf versus the 49ers. They had very similar weeks almost. Marquise Brown did end up coming up with that touchdown at the end of the game to save his fantasy week a little bit. He was almost my disappointing yeah, my disappointing guy from week one. Marquise Brown got six targets. DK had seven. Brown had 43 receiving yards. DK had 37. Now, Brown came down with a touchdown. DK Metcalf did not. I do think the matchup's a little bit harder for DK if Tervarius Ward is on him. But uh, this is so close for me. I, I lean Marquise Brown myself still between these two. But what about you, Jake? I want the projected possible shootout between the Cardinals and the Raiders. So I do want Hollywood Brown. And then if you do bake in the fact that, like if it truly is a rain game there in San Francisco, that gives him even more of an edge. Yeah, I'm with Marquise Brown as well. And I do think that comes down a to like just the worst defense. Like if I have to pick a defense that I want my wide receiver to face here, it's definitely the Raiders. Um, and I, I think that we're going to probably see his usage continue to increase. I think that like he's going to find the right chemistry with this team. Disappointing, disappointing in week one, especially considering like, all of the people that were like missing opportunities here, like DeAndre Hopkins out, Rondale Moore out. But I also think that does something to change up like your entire picture of an offense. I'll, I'll take, I'll take Brown. I don't like feel super great about either though coming out of week one, but yeah. Yeah. Jahan Dotson, rookie wide receiver for the commanders. He had a nice week one. He gets the Lions. Fantastic matchup. Or Elijah Moore, everyone's favorite darling in fantasy, had a disappointing week one with Joe Flacco. He had, you know, a handful of targets but didn't do a whole lot with them. He did have a touchdown called back due to offensive pass interference, so that would have changed his outlook a little bit. But he gets the Browns. Which one are you going with here? You trust in that rookie in week two or Elijah Moore? I can't say Jahan Dotson because I, I want Curtis Samuel to be everything in that offense, but also truly hey, like Curtis Elijah Samuel Moore. and Dotson both had a good game last week. They did, but I, I can't risk uh, Dotson cutting into Samuel's workload this week, but truly I would still rather take Elijah Moore. Look, I know the Flacco connection wasn't as strong as certainly I would have liked to have seen it against the Ravens, but it was also against the Ravens. I do feel like, I think that's a tougher matchup than what he's going to be facing against Cleveland this week. So give me more. I think his touchdown upside is more. Well, to be fair, Dotson, the thing with Dotson is he only had three receptions last week in his first game. Two of them were touchdowns. Like (laughs) that's probably not going to keep up, but that is efficient. (laughs) That is super efficient. It's exciting for the young kid. It's exciting if you dropped him in fantasy. Like, that's a really good uh, outlook for him. But most likely, if he has three receptions again in this game, there's a good chance he doesn't score a touchdown. He doesn't help you at all. With Elijah Moore, I mean, he didn't do very much. Five receptions for 49 yards. But like I said, he had a touchdown call back. That would have changed his outlook quite a bit. So, Oh, I don't know. Joe Flacco drives me crazy. Why is he still a starting quarterback? <laughs> Joe, Flacco, Joe Flacco drives you crazy. But like, again, I like, I think you're going to look at Joe Flacco coming into week two. Like the Cleveland Browns did not uh, necessarily hang on as much. Like they allowed the, the Panthers plenty of room to come back and gain some yardage, gain some points enough to the point where they made this come down to a, field goal by the rookie kicker. Like I think that the jets, especially led by Joe Flacco, who is very comfortable playing in Cleveland. Like he has played the Cleveland Browns 20 times in his career. And plenty of those trips are in Cleveland. Like, I I think you're going to see a cool and calm Joe Flacco. Um, It's, I feel like probably easier for him to play the Browns as a former opponent than it is to play his old team. Um, in week one, I like, I, I just think 
I think this is a more evenly matched contest. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't think there's going to be another 18 targets to the running backs this week for the Jets. Like, that's not a winning formula whatsoever. They have to fix that. And surprisingly, we just saw here, Elijah Moore had 89% of the offensive snaps. It's way up from last year. That makes me feel good. He, I, I would start Elijah Moore over Dotson this week. Uh, and then last one here, talking about the Jets, discussing the two running backs, Michael Carter, who did leave lead the team and carries uh, got his targets or Brees Hall who led the team in targets. Uh, the rookie, like he's talented. It's so hard. Like, what do you do with these two? You drafted Brees Hall pretty early and we told you not to play him last week. Now his targets would have got you an okay game. Not good whatsoever, but okay. What do you, what are you doing with these two? Okay. Well, yeah, he led the team in targets by one right ahead of Michael Carter, who had nine targets himself. He is not a slouch in that department. I've been saying that a lot this offseason. He he can do that. I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to trust what their usage was for week one. They could deviate from it, certainly. I just don't think they're going to deviate enough to give Brees Hall the edge in overall snaps and overall touches. So I will go with Michael Carter. Michael Carter is like a huge problem for anybody that drafted Brees Hall because just like last year, I said the issue with Michael Carter last year was that he like, yes, they needed depth at the running back position. They needed a guy that could profile as like your typical RB one, but Michael Carter himself did absolutely nothing to lose any sort of substantial, substantial workload. In week one, came out, averaged six yards per carry, like was super involved as a receiver. And Michelle, like you said, not necessarily projecting that they're going to involve the running backs as heavily in the receiving game. But Michael Carter, he looks pretty good. And per sports radar, he led all running backs with six broken tackles in week one, which is just what he did last year. Like he was a broken tackle machine in 2021. That's continuing in 2022. I think this is going to be, he's going to be a problem for Brees Hall. I will say my answer to this is start neither. Like in this <laughs> particular matchup, because the Browns kept. You need one flex. The, the Browns made CMC mediocre in fantasy. Now they knew they had a, like that was their focus. Stop CMC and we'll stop this offense. That's fine. But if you look at week one, you say, all right, we stopped Michael Carter and Brace Hall in the passing game. And what is Joe Flacco going to do? So it's kind of the same thing. That's why I kind of lean Elijah Moore here because he might have to shift his targets. Elijah Moore's but, not even in the, it's Michael Carter or Brace Hall. I know, but I'm saying. You don't get my, to just pick third option. If I have to, to one. choose one, I'm going with Michael Carter because he got the more carries and uh, I'll trust the <laughs> bigger workload just this week. Just this week. I threw this question in there just to stir shit up. Yeah. I'm not making this decision whatsoever. Crazy. <laughs> All right. We have lots of content coming out this week for week two. Make sure to uh, see my fire and ice thread that comes out tomorrow morning. Every week. Woo! Or when you're listening to this, it might already be out because we're going to post this on Thursday morning and I post it on Thursday afternoon. Uh, and then my matchup article on NFL.com because I am a published author and NFL.com now. Uh, and then Kate and Jake give out amazing information all week long on Twitter. So make sure to hit them up as well. You can find me, Michelle, on Twitter at Ball Blast M, Ball Blast E-M. And you can find me, Kate, at FF Ball Blast. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Good luck, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye. Peace.